Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to another episode of the Recruitment Flex podcast. I'm Shelly. And joined with me today is my co-host. Or no, am I your co-host or you're my... How does that work anyway? So you're the host, I'm the co-host. Serge? No, I think we're both co-hosts. Oh, is that how it goes? Yeah, I don't think there's uh, like a pecking order of hosting (laughs) duties, but... How you doing, Shelly? I've heard, I've heard a rumor that you're not feeling great. Um, yeah, do you know, I'm kind of freaked out, Serge. I am kind of freaked out. Um, some people very close to me who I've not had any contact with have been p- tested positive for COVID. And then this morning I woke up and I'm just not feeling 100%, even though, like I only go out for groceries, but you know, it, it's just, it's everywhere. And maybe I'm just kind of freaking myself out, but I don't believe that you only need to go out for groceries. I've heard stories of you dancing on tables at around one o'clock at the bar. So uh, I think that's where it's coming from. Oh, fuck. I saw that video. It's all over YouTube. Um, So we found you. So, but we do have a guest for this show and I'm really excited. Actually, I've never met Jesse. I've I've heard of the legend of Jesse. So I think it's good to bring him on. (laughs) I want to introduce Jesse Ryan. Jesse is the chief sales guy and founder at High Road Human Capital. He is also the host of the Accidental Occupation podcast, which... What's going on, Jesse? You need to start putting out more episodes, but welcome to the show. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Hi, Serge. Hi, Shelly. Thanks for having me. Uh, very excited. And this came to va- together very quickly. And, and as per my response email, you had me at Flex Recruitment. I was in from there. <laughs> so um, I'm going to start us off. Um, so I've had a chance, Jesse, to, um, I looked up your podcast, of course, mm-hmm. I snooped you on LinkedIn. Yeah. And so I don't know if you've ever had the tables turned. Because a lot of your podcast being the accidental occupation, I love that title, by the way. Oh, thank um, you. Is has anybody ever turned the tables on you and said, So, Jesse, like, how did you, why did you choose recruitment as a career? Like, how did you land in? Oh, boy, we're going there right out of the gate, eh? Yeah, we um, are. Okay, well, for the two of you and everyone listening, I will premise this and say you ask scary questions, you get scary answers. Um, and I debated, I debated, um, how I was going to respond to this. Um, the, the actual, uh, well, sorry, the, the story is, is rather vanilla. The prelude to the story is what is interesting. So, you know, as per the title of my podcast recruitment, and I haven't met anybody yet who falling into recruitment wasn't accidental. Um, but another word for that is circumstantial. Mm -hmm. And I certainly had some circumstances so let, let's tear the Band-Aid off, shall we? Um, I, was, I was employed um, uh, before recruitment. Um, I'm an I'm a Armed Forces veteran and uh, post-military service, so I was hell-bent on, on being a cop, and I was bartending in the, in the interim. However, uh, what uh, drove me and the circumstances that drove me into recruitment was um, at the time I found recruitment, I was actually on bail facing some rather, some, some, I was on bail, as in the criminal justice, justice system. I was on bail, um, <laughs> facing some, uh, some criminal charges. 
Um, nothing nefarious, nothing dishonest. Uh, I was a bartender um, uh, before falling into recruitment, and there was a, an unfortunate um, um, uh, fight outside the bar, which I happened to be involved in, and uh, lost my job. And being on bail, probably law enforcement wasn't in the immediate cards. Um, so there I was looking for employment. And um, where, where my story actually is a little bit different is my father was in recruitment at the time. And he had been in recruitment for, I'd say, about 10 years. And those previous 10 years, he said, you know, you would like this. You would love this. You should try this. I was like, hell no, I'm going to be a copper. Um, he's like, okay, okay. And uh, then I found myself, um, I was acquitted, by the way. I was fully acquitted. Congratulations. <laughs> it was a long time ago. <laughs> everything ended uh, Everything ended very well. Um, but uh, yeah, I was on the job market and he said, come into my firm, talk to my boss and, and see if maybe this resonates with you. And I did. Um, and it was, you know, back in the day, this was not pre-internet, but but pretty damn close, certainly pre-job board. What um, year, Jesse? Uh, I want to say 97, 98. Oh, okay. So no list, nothing like that. These were the good old days, Shelly, you probably remember where if you got a Scots directory, <laughs> uh, you were living the absolute dream. It was, a, it was a Bible of gold in your hands. So it was the old uh, dialing for dollars um, but it was also a 360 desk and on a very, I think my first, my first draw against commission was 16,000 whole dollars a year. So that's where I started. So my employer, uh, me being on bail and being on a $16,000 a year draw, there wasn't a lot of downside for him to take, <laughs> to, to throw some darts at the board and, and see if we could hit a bullseye. However, I would like to think he did hit a bullseye and I certainly did as well. Uh, I fell in love with it almost immediately. And, um, and really the rest is history 22 years later. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's all downhill from here. Well, so like you, um, yes. I had a completely different career as well prior to, and I fell into recruitment, but I have to say it was 1994. And uh, I remember. Shelley, yes. I was in junior high school then. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, yes. Yes, I know. Um, just, I'm just throwing that in to make you feel uh, a little old. Old? old? Yes. Yeah, yeah it's not going to work. <laughs> Me too. I mean, I've seen so many changes. Holy smokes. Like, um, when I first started, we got a fax machine in the office, and we couldn't feed the paper into that thing fast enough. Right. Honest to God, it was like, how are we ever going to keep up, right? So... Anyways, I'm not going to I'm not going to preempt my next kind of follow-on question here, Jesse, because I don't think it's the fax machine that was the the biggest change in the recruitment industry. Um, but in your career and in yes. your 1997 to present day, yeah. What do you think has changed the most? Well, I, I think you alluded to it with the fax machine. It, it is technology. So if if we went back to the mid 90s to present. Um, technology. And unfortunately, what I would suggest is the dependence on technology, which I personally have a real problem with because I'm an old fart like you. Uh, you know, we're Careful. old school. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I've stayed very current. That's why I'm around younger guys. 
right? I'm, I'm talking strictly. Uh, I'm I'm talking strictly on the birth certificate. Okay, so we go back okay. a long way. So we've seen it all, and we've seen the evolution, if you want to call it that. But in a lot of respects, uh, we've also seen the decline, uh, the decline in aptitude, decline in effort. So technology is what's moved along uh, the most since I started. But in some cases for good, in some cases for bad. Is there any one thing that was kind of a, a point in time where you went, okay, things are never going to be the same? Like which I would technology say, are you thinking about? Yeah, I would say LinkedIn. Uh, wow, I would say, I've said the same thing. Yeah, I would say LinkedIn yeah. from a sourcing perspective. Yeah. That was a kind of a game changer. What are we looking at? 2009, 2010, mm-hmm. in and around there. Mm-hmm. I remember my, my colleague and then boss uh, at Head to Head, Kim Benedict, coming in. Um, because, well, here's a, here's a little story for you. I, I'm a head-to-head alumni, and if you touched recruitment in any way in Ontario, uh, also in Canada, it was far less than six degrees of head-to-head because uh, it was kind of the nucleus back in the day. And uh, Indeed, no, sorry, not Indeed, LinkedIn was so new to the market that they didn't have a Toronto office. The closest office was Chicago. And because of head to head and who we were, and you know, we were we were so intermingled with corporate recruitment across Canada, uh, we were their initial reseller. So what would happen is we'd set the hook, or we'd be on a on a you know a normal sales call, and we'd say, hey, there's this thing called LinkedIn, and if there was enough interest, they would fly a rep in from Chicago, and we would go in and we would we would co co sell that with them. So LinkedIn in in Canada, um, if you want to say that I was on the vanguard, I guess you could say it in that respect, especially from a business development perspective. Um, And I remember Kim Benedict coming in and and kind of pitching it to us and saying that she had been on a meeting with a LinkedIn rep uh, and that I I want to say it was TELUS. For some reason, that resonates with me. And uh, it was such a profound value proposition that I remember her saying, the, the HR or recruitment person at TELUS literally pulling out their credit card and saying, take my money on the spot. Um, I wasn't there for that, but that happened. But I, I had similar similar experiences with these U.S. reps that would come up for sure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that, was, that was the game changer as far as and I'm how, concerned. How do you feel about LinkedIn right now? Uh, I have mixed views. I think one of the things that you mentioned at the start is, we over rely the aptitude is kind of gone as far as not everyone is active on um, LinkedIn and I, I live in the tech space and right. definitely it's not a place where I source a lot we, in some cases we have to but most of the have you found that there's an over reliance from recruiters on LinkedIn now what's your overall thoughts with that well it depends on the product line um, personally LinkedIn recruiter a LinkedIn recruiter seat I, I think is invaluable um, I think you have to have it if you want to service your clients in a um, strategic and and um, uh, uh, value, you know, in a valued way, so I think it's a phenomenal sourcing tool having that LinkedIn recruiter seat. Um, but but it's not the end all be all. Where I think a lot of corporate recruitment shops and corporate recruiters, junior and intermediates, and probably even seniors uh, now, if they can't find it on LinkedIn, they throw their hands up and say, ah. Uh, Nothing else I can do. Time to call an agency and 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 book a twenty percent fee. Um, with that said, and I said, you know, it depends on the product line. I am not a fan of the LinkedIn uh, marketing and sales tools. Um, using them, 
and also being the recipient of the spam that comes in. Um, I think it's, you know, being chief sales guy and being a sales guy at heart um, might be a harsh word, but I might say it's almost reprehensible. I take offense when the first touch that a business developer uh, initiates with me is an unsolicited LinkedIn spam. Uh, it goes nowhere with me ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so LinkedIn recruiter, um, love it, still use it. Can't see ourselves not using it. Not the last resort, but, but close to, um, but everything else that they're pitching, um, not, a, not a fan. And I mean, I think we all know, I don't know if you guys have heard this adage and, you know, you said to be uh, open and opinionated LinkedIn and recruitment is kind of like the internet and porn in the beginning without us, it wouldn't have existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. No, it, so, it, so I hear, so they tell me. Yeah, exactly. Really good perspective. Uh, like you, a salesman at heart. And I think one of the challenges getting unsolicited messages or to me, even worse than that is getting a message to connect and having a message. Oh, we have similar networks. We'd love to be part of your network. So I accept them and I accept everyone. Then the next message maybe 10 minutes after is trying to pitch me on selling something. So I do not like that approach, but I, I agree with you as far as a lot of the tools are LinkedIn recruiter is, has become quite invaluable as far as a time saver, but also I'm a big fan of not relying on it. There's talent everywhere and you don't want to be competing where everyone else is competing for the same talent. But on, the, on another note, like you've been in corporate, you've been in agency. Seen so, it all. Yeah, you've seen it all. And leveraging technology what is your favorite piece of technology is there anything that you're leveraging right now that you really like working with um there is and yes they are a channel partner and this isn't a salacious pitch uh and i know you've had uh, one of their folks on the uh on the podcast already and and uh lee and and james are gonna love me uh but i, I love xref okay um i love it for my team and i love it for my clients uh, vis-a-vis, I, I, I love it on behalf of the, the candidates, whether they know it or not. And they don't, they don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And, uh, you know, we resell it and use it with a lot of our clients. And when we pitch it to them for the first time, they're skeptical because when it's been done so long for one way, get on the phone, would you rehire Johnny? Would you work with Lisa again? You know, that's, that's the way it's been done and always been done. But when you, when you look at the data and you look at the metrics of how uh, XREF tool, how their tool works, it's, it's beyond reproach. And as much as uh, I would love my consultants billing the time it takes to do an old school phone reference, it's not in the best interest of our clients. It's not in the best interest of our value proposition. And even though it's taking maybe a little bit of billable time out of my, out of my team's uh, monthly hours. The funny thing is the moment my team members try XREF for the first time, that's it. Never They'll go never back. go back. <laughs> they will never go back. Yeah, I completely agree. So uh, I've been an XREF customer and I fell in love with the technology. I fell in love. It's not the technology itself. I think it's just how much it takes away and actually getting clean, nice reports uh, I, I find the feedback comes in a lot quicker. You're trying, not trying to connect, book some time. It, it's a really good piece of technology. So anyone listening, if you're looking for a better way to do reference, definitely check out XREF. Our friends, uh, are you, so I'm assuming you know James Lord? I do, very well. 
very yeah, well. He, yeah, he's I an go, amazing guy. I, I got introduced. I go back to John Dawson. Um, okay. So he he was he's at Ideal now. He's my original guy. He's been a guest on my podcast. Uh, I think he's a, he's a, a, a I think he's probably the brightest talent salesperson for his age in the country. Um, we're good friends, obviously. Like uh, uh, that's that's uh, that's no secret. Uh, but uh, I wish I I had his gumption and te- uh, tenacity when I was his age. Uh, but that's who that's who brought me into to XREF. Um, and but the relationships continued. It's not just because of of the the personal relationship. The technology stands on its own. So I spend a lot of time with different technologies. I think I've tried out or demoed over 200 HR technology. I, I'm passionate about that space. Yeah. But what I find uh, concerning about this space is there's so much noise. There's so much confusion. There's so much bad uh, in that sense. So is there an example, and we're going to call out shitty technology because I think we should. Is there something you can think in your head that's like, wow, that was a piece of shit. Like, I'll never use that again. Yeah, yeah it, it was a piece of shit. It is a piece of shit. Uh, but that big piece of shit isn't going away. And sorry, uh, Serge, I'm going to have to jump on one of your alma maters. I detest Indeed. I detest it. <laughs> um, I think the Kennedy interface is horrific. Uh, I think the billing and invoicing uh, experience for a... Um, a value-added reseller like myself is beyond horrific. Um, I, I think the candidate experience lacks a tremendous amount of luster. However, uh, it is the single source per hire, certainly in North America, certainly in Canada, and we're not getting away from it anytime soon. So it's the devil you know. Yeah, no, they definitely have the golden handcuffs. Uh, I, I, you're not the only one. Like, is right now, and, and I think it's been the past four or five years, it's the place that people hate to work with but have no choice. I get calls all the time. It's like, what else can we use except Indeed? And in reality, like, if you look at Canada, they're getting 14 million unique visitors a month. There's 19 million people looking or in the workforce. How do you not use them? But it's one of those things. It's uh, a lot of different. I think everyone's been screwed by Indeed. So if we look at ATS, if we look at staffing firms, if we look at agencies, they get you in, they get you hooked. And then when they don't need you, they're gone. Uh, I'll give you that perspective. They are my alma mater. I work with them. They're a fantastic employer. I, I'll give them full credit. Uh, but they're in this situation. They dominate the market. And it's, they treat the people like they dominate the market. And do you know who it reminds me? And if you go back, yeah. this is monster of 2006, seven, it eight. is like this is exactly the same road they took, uh, extreme, um, I guess, arrogance in the sense of well, how they deal with it. Let, let me put it this way. And this is from a business perspective, um, I have vendor, uh, relationships, uh, with probably eight to 10, key, very well-known talent providers. Um, Indeed is the only one where when I buy, uh, when, when, when I buy uh, sponsorship dollars that I'm writing a paper check to someplace in Ireland and putting it in an envelope with a stamp on it and sending it away. I can't pay my invoice with Indeed with a credit card. Riddle me that, Serge. Riddle me that. That's crazy. True story. 
I'm looking at my corporate checkbook right here, and I know those stubs, nine out of 10 of them are indeed. What do checks look like? I, yeah, I'm not I, haven't used, with, I haven't used paper in like 10 years. so They're like... rectangular in shape, and uh, there's several lines that require writing, and uh, apparently they're legal currency uh, in, in some realms. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, true story. Yeah, no, I yeah. remember those days. Yeah. So um, you and I, I'm going to change gears a little bit, unless you've got right. anybody else you want to rag on. Um, <laughs> no, I'm good. Oh, I'll okay. probably be in trouble right there. <laughs> I'm always in trouble. Uh, boy, oh boy. Uh, so let's change gears. Let's, let's look at, so something that Serge and I really balance ourselves on is the fact that I work for 11 years in agency, mm-hmm. that is staffing firms. Um, so did Serge spend some time in staffing. You did as well, corporate yep. as well. Um, but when you look at the staffing industry, mm-hmm. what is the one thing that you think they really need to get their head around? What are they, what's the one thing that you would say from your experience they need to change? Well, I'm biased because of, because of High Road's business model. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I had most recently, you know, just before High, I created High Road, uh, I was managing director of a subsidiary of IQ Partners, uh, which is a mid-size, incredibly well-respected uh, traditional contingency and retainer staffing firm in Toronto. Yeah. And I can't say enough about those guys. Uh, if you're going to work for a staffing agency in this country, I would say start at IQ and, and maybe end at IQ. So Do you mean IT my- IQ? Is that the same ITIQ recruiters? My or is that ITIQ? Yeah. No, IQ partners. That's, that's all they are. That's all they've ever been. Yeah. Um, So I I got to see, you know, after a good 18, 19 years in the industry, got to see the current state of, of contingent staffing um, versus what I was doing, which is more of an RPO style. And um, I I just think uh, contingent staffing in general, it's, you know, I, I I think that needs to be a last resort. So I think they need to get away from the fees. I understand um, uh, why it's, you know, in this case, 15 to 25 to 35%. I understand retainers. I understand the rationale behind it. But I think it's, I think it's archaic. Uh, I don't think it reflects the true and genuine needs of the corporate marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, hence, why corporate recruitment over the last 20 years in particular, uh, I'd like to think why, why it used to be personnel and now it's corporate recruitment and talent acquisition. And I've been on that entire ride. Uh, so I've seen that complete evolution and staffing for the most part has not changed. And maybe some might say, oh, it doesn't need to change. I think it does. Um, do I think it's going away anytime soon? I don't, but I just don't believe it's the best best thing for the market, that, that format. I also think uh, it does a disservice to recruitment overall because um, the way agency recruiters, particularly young ones, are coming in for the first time, the compensation model uh, that I, I premised in my, you know, in my yeah. introductory answer, yeah. the draw against commission, it yields two types of performers. And behavior, um, yeah. Yeah, the worst of the worst. It does. And once in a while, you get a rock star, and 
they become incredibly successful, if not very wealthy, uh, yeah. because because they're absolutely made for it. It's in their DNA, yeah. and I get that. But when you're compensating people uh, and you put that kind of duress and pressure on them, uh, I don't think it yields the best result. And I and, and I think that trickles down to how young recruiters, agency recruiters, um, um, how they solicit their clients. Um, it's it's just a bad a bad scenario all the way around. And until that compensation model changes, um, I think uh, you're still going to see staffing agencies as the necessary evil. Yeah, you know, I uh, I really appreciate your perspective on that because I would say the part of agent staffing firms that won't go away is contingent workforce. Um, I am surprised that contingent recruitment as part of agency, um, as well as you are, really surprised that it's still around. You know, I predicted its demise. I saw that shrinking and we, I've seen it shrink quite significantly in the time that I was, you know, spent a good 10, 11 years leading internal recruitment teams. Um, because like you, I know that it drives a certain behavior and that I'm hoping is going to tie nicely into the next thing I want to ask you about. And that is the relationship between the corporate recruiter and mm-hmm. the staffing agency. And, and, you know, I don't want to just naturally conclude that it's because, and well, so my perspective is a lot like yours in that if you put somebody on a hundred percent commission, it's going to drive a level of desperation, dialing for dollars, um, and they're just, it's desperation is what it feels like because, you know, then, you know, being on the um, agency side and then going to become a corporate recruiter like you, I've seen both sides of it. So, right. so what is the best advice you would give to a corporate recruiter to have a, a successful relationship with their vendor, their staffing agent, their staffing firm? Yeah. And it's, it's the same for both. What I would offer is this the exact same, um, the exact same word for both ends, uh, but with different spends. And it's almost cliche because it's, it's, it's bastardized so much these days, but um, both sides have to deploy a tremendous amount of empathy. Hmm. So let's look at, at, at the young recruiter cold calling into corporate or cold calling into HR, um, trying to pick, trying to pick up a wreck, anything. Yeah. Um, that is a really hard job. It's scary. You know, nobody, no, I don't care who you are. I don't, um, you know, nobody wakes up in the morning, jumps out of bed and says, it's a great day to cold call. Right. Um, nobody says that. However, you can get on the phone and you can start rolling and you can have some great connects and some great calls and leave that office saying, you know what? Um, I, I really put in a good day today and that was nowhere near as bad as I thought it was going to be. So, um, the corporate individual receiving that call and maybe the 10th, maybe the 50th solicitation that day mm-hmm. needs to understand how difficult and the balls it takes to pick up that phone and make a friend with a complete stranger or at least attempt to, and also empathize that, probably 90% of the people that are making those calls don't have the DNA to be doing that. They yeah. don't have the acumen. They don't have the competencies and the traits, but 
because it's the accidental occupation. See what I did there? See what I did there? Nice. Um, smooth. <laughs> somehow they got, by circumstance, they were thrust into this seat. And maybe it's a holdover gig until the next thing. Or what I also find kind of reprehensible, maybe they're using uh, agency and staffing uh, recruitment as a springboard to HR. I think that's reprehensible as well because those are two Surge completely different. Can you see the smile on Serge's face as soon as you said that? Oh my yeah. God. Okay. I think you struck a nerve here. Keep going, Jesse. Two completely different <laughs> job families, two completely different sets of traits and, and, uh, and um, competencies. Um, dare I say anyone that, that has done that, and I know them, how dare you? How dare you? Because it's hard enough to maintain a decent reputation in recruitment, corporate or otherwise. We're still the goddamn redheaded stepchild out there. We're Cinderella at best. And um, you've got people kind of jumping the queue or using it as a stepping stone. I appreciate, I get all that. I deploy tremendous empathy. So, you know, when you're receiving that call from that kid that is, uh, that is, that is trying to pick up a wreck, be empathetic. Conversely, for the person that is calling into HR, you need to be empathetic that you might be the 10th, 20th call that they've received. And every time the phone rings, you're interrupting their day. So when you do pick up that phone and make that cold call, you've got you've to respect the duty that you have to make that call as warm and sexy as you possibly can. And what I mean by that is, you know, particularly with LinkedIn and, and even social media and all the tools that are out there, don't tell me that you can't put a cold call in without a story that's going to resonate with that individual, without an anecdote, without something. Maybe you, maybe you saw something, maybe it's a photo in their Facebook profile, their Instagram, uh, let alone their, their, um, their LinkedIn. If you can't make a connection, even the smallest one, and be prepared to talk about that in a, in a passionate way, don't make the call. You're wasting your time. You're, you're, you're beneath generic at that point. So the duty on the caller, it's incumbent on them to do their due diligence. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to call them out by name, but I just got transitioned uh, with, with LinkedIn reps uh, because they had, a, they had a massive COVID downsizing. So all these accounts got shuffled and my guy was gone and I ended up with a new guy, uh, but it was passed off. And I said, oh, you got passed off from so-and-so. Uh, what did she tell you about my business? Well, not much. Really? This is how you want to begin the relationship with me? By not much. I know High Road's not the biggest account in the world, but we've, we're a little shot that's got some really badass, big, giant clients with some brand names. And they, they buy my product, your product through me. So maybe do a do, little due diligence. Maybe look at my LinkedIn profile for eight seconds so you can speak reasonably intelligently about what we do and who we are. It's not rocket science. We've all seen this before. However, to my dismay, didn't happen. Doesn't happen. Time in, time out. Come on, Serge, you're chomping at the bit. Okay. 
You know, I think, Jesse, I think you've been listening to our podcast because this is all I talk about. I think Shelly's just so <laughs> fucking tired of me talking about this, especially in the one we both talk a lot and we agree. And this is a shocker when we talk to HR, if I do a presentation to HR or any public speaking. And then one of the things I always say is if you're hiring a recruiter as a way to get into HR, so basically starting someone as a coordinator or whatever, person they should never be aligned they should never be the same uh because it's different personalities think about the skill set that is different in a recruiter when compared to an hr person and we do it all the time and you know what really sucks is it gives a bad rap to recruitment because we got a 100%. bunch of people that don't want to do recruitment they're in it they're doing half-assed they don't have any passion for it and i'm not saying everyone coming into recruitment is going to have passion for it but i'll hire a person that's working at a cell phone kiosk selling cell phones before i'll hire a nature person to be a recruiter because the skill sets are so completely different so thank you i've just become a massive fan of you uh, not that i wasn't before but uh, i think we're completely aligned on that end and everything that you just said as far as how you approach a client and how what cold calling looks like and building that connection that that should also be something for corporate recruiters reaching out to candidates you should always be kind of trying to find where that commonality is you might have gone to the same school you might have know someone that went to the same like this is where your research really comes in and really where you can stand out well let me let me digress a little bit more on this because you know when i talk about yeah. the empathy there, there's a reason that empathy needs to be deployed that is neuroscientific and certainly biological. Um, and this is where, you know, I get into the really deep sales guru shit, um, but, but, it, but it's true. So particularly with an HR professional, because of their DNA, those competencies and traits, you know, folks need to appreciate the caller and the receiver need to appreciate what's going on in the mind uh, biologically when that call is made and that call is received. And not just what's going on in the mind, oh, this is what's going through my mind, this is what I'm feeling. No, 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 what's actually, what is the brain actually doing? So a lot of people would be surprised to understand that you know there's really three parts to our brain. And in this call and reception of call uh, going on, um, two different parts of the brain are being used. So when you're receiving that call and you're an HR person and you have that negative reaction, um, you know, you can call it what you want. I'm going to call it what it is. You're scared. I scared you. You're afraid to receive this call. And now that I've got you, you're afraid of, of, of handling this call. And what I've accessed at that point is the part of the brain called the limbic. And sometimes it's referred to as the crocodile brain. And this is the million, multi-million-year-old part of our brain that is 100% fight or flight. So mm. it makes perfect sense that when you get this person on the phone, they either tell you off or they lie to you. They tell you off because now they're fighting because you've, you've, you've enabled that biological response in them. And they're like basically saying, fuck you. I didn't want you to make this call. And uh, I wish you would go, please go away and die somewhere and never call back again. So that's the fight. And then there's the flight, which typically comes out as a lie saying, yeah, um, we're not reviewing our vendor list for another 17 years, right? You're lying to me because you're now you're fleeing. 
You're running away from me. I get it. What makes this compounds this and makes this all the more worse is the receiver is using the limbic brain and the caller is using the neocortex. So this is this is the the gangster side. This is the the idea. I'm, this is the pitch part of the brain that you're using. And these two things are just going bang, bang, bang. So I think it's uh, I think it's important, and I'm doing a keynote with Innovate Work in a couple of weeks, where this is the thesis. Um, it's okay to tell me no, but here's why you don't. Here's why you don't tell me no, because you don't understand the biology that's happening in the brain at the time. So, you know, we, we say, oh, that, 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 that guy's an asshole. She's a bitch. You know, don't call there. They hate corporate recruiter or they hate agency recruiters or what have you. Maybe, but but there's something there's something more in depth going on beneath the surface that even that even uh, both sides aren't aware of. And a fantastic perspective. I don't think anyone was expecting really a biology lesson. Which so thank you. I think you're the first one in the show. I think you, we've. Uh, We've hit a new segment. I think this is something we need to talk more about. And we'll talk about Innovate Work because uh, me and Shelly are actually hosting the the panel right after your speech. So looking oh. forward to that, uh, to that discussion. I want to talk about a little bit. 2020 has been a shit show overall, I think, in recruitment, in the world. Uh, it's been probably the most interesting year that we've ever lived in some ways as far as, at least in my lifetime. I know you guys are, a little, are older than I am, so I'll, uh, I'll take that. But if we look at what's going to happen in 2021, we've seen some new trends. We've seen some, uh, like if we look at working from home, um, this has become absolutely critical, remote working. So if we look at also diversity and inclusion, uh, there's, been, there's been a lot of happening on that sense. So it's been a really, I, I, I like to say transformational year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then looking at 2021, is this going to shape up how recruitment and HR function. And I think what we realized in 2020, a lot of the HR rules that we had in place about working from home or different process is all bullshit. Like we've been able to survive without all these process and everything. And we've been doing quite fine, but what's your thoughts? What does 2021 look for you in the recruitment space? Well, let's dial it back. And, and, you know, I'll take you a little bit through 2020 for us. So, you know, when, when the pandemic hit last spring, um, I got calls, you know, because every, everybody, certainly on the vendor side, uh, is, hey, how's it, what's going on with you, right? And everybody's probing, like, is it, is it a disaster for you as well? Um, it, listen, don't get me wrong. We, we took a hit business-wise, but because we're not a staffing agency, you know, when we were down at the lowest, when we were down 55%, I think most staffing agencies were down 90, 100%. So, you know, people would ask me, and I almost came up with a tagline, no one's crying for Jesse Ryan, right? Um, and But they're like, well, how are you, how are you uh, adjusting? And I said, there's zero adjustment for, for High Road because we're, we're a remote solution anyway. Yeah. We, we don't have an office. This is it. This is, this is global headquarters right here. Um, so our team of, of 10, um, is, has always been remote. So it was just another day in the office for us. So what is 2021 going to look like? I think, um, 
from an evolution perspective, you know, AI has been coming to the, has been trying desperately to come to the forefront over the last couple of years in recruitment. Um, and up until up until today, I would say it's it's too early still for true AI, for true machine learning. Right. Yeah. A lot of people say, well, we've got an algorithm. OK, well, that's that's not true AI. That's 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 a code. Right. Um, is it really AI? But when I talk about when I think about real AI and recruitment and again, like I said about XREF, where it took some dollars out of my pocket and um, my consultant's pocket, I think where I would like to see AI go in recruitment will take more money out of our pocket, but it's the right thing for our clients. And what I'm desperate for and would love to see is a true AI phone screen. You know, when I saw the first, and it was, I think, three, four years ago now, when that demo came out that went viral with the Google Assistant. Yeah. And I think she was ordering flowers or something. I just went, phone screen. This can work for a phone screen. Like, it can really work. Because yeah. when you look at a phone screen, there's only so many, you know, you can you can warm up a question. You can put a spin on it. But there's only so many things we want to know on a pre-screen. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I think that can be captured. And I think um, as candidates would learn to interact with it and understand uh, the technology's limita- limitations, I think they can coexist. And I well, think it's, can- it's phone screen, the right method for that is it wouldn't be text interviews be a better no. tool for no. No, I, I want the interface. I yeah. want to be able to record their tone, their interna- intonation, yeah. the pauses, love to, in some cases, see their their face, you know, are they looking up and to the left? There's the FBI profiler in me. Yes, I took that masterclass. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you. So I, I want to be able to have a, um, not in the, in the moment, but if I need to, I want to be able to go back to that file and have a, a visceral interpretation of it as opposed to just words on a page. That, that that's, that's easy to game and that's not necessarily as genuine as it needs to be. So, to answer your question, um, I think that the pandemic has probably dramatically accelerated uh, anyone thinking about um, developing AI, and those that already are, and there are many, um, have probably accelerated um, their programs and their products, or have figured out or have gleaned uh, some perspective on, okay, in this new world, we thought it was going to go this way, but now it's it's going. We thought it was going to go up or left. Now it's going right. So we have to we have to change the algorithm um, to to go right. So uh, adjustments, but also new new technology, um, really really accelerating. That's yeah, what I, I think is going to happen. I I agree, but I disagree. So I, okay. I agree that I think it's how dare way. you. I How know, dare you? Way. Go ahead. I, I think it's going the right way, but I think the challenge we're going to have in HR and recruitment is adoption on any AI tools. I, I think right. if, and you know this, like in yeah. reality, there's very few of people like you and us. The general HR departments are still 15 to 20 years back when we're looking at actual how they process candidates, how even the ATS they use, like Taleo is still the biggest ATS in the market. And think about that. Like it's a piece of shit. Like it's been a piece of shit, but it's still the tool that everyone uses. I'm going to give you the so, slow clap. The slow slow clap. clap. Exactly. But, so AI, um, 
I am a hundred percent on board, but there, but there is so much confusion with AI right. too as well. Like there's, there is a lot of stuff that are branded as AI, but it's reality. It's, it's just advanced coding. There's nothing special about it. It doesn't yeah. have real machine learning. So I think we're going to see it for some key players that are early or uh, early adopters, maybe not really, but they're, they're innovative in that sense and they want to improve how they do their process but i think the general is going to be we're five years away from it i still think we're five years away from like even a median type of adoption from the hr circle outside of key innovators in the industry the ones that want to do a better job and they're going to win that's great like if you're so i think it'll be interesting i think it'll be interesting what you mentioned when it comes to voice like um so alexa like it was really interesting to see what McDonald's did with Alexa, but basically they created nothing. Is you you ask them for a job, then they send you to a website. Like, what's the advantage of that? I think voice is going to be absolutely critical. We're talking about Google, we're looking at Alexa, the Apple product. I think we're going to see a lot more applications using voice components. Uh, I'm if you're in advertising and marketing, you should be looking at Alexa and building brand because uh, I think that's where it's going to go as well. So really great to have you on, Jesse. And uh, really, in reality, we are going to see each other very shortly. So for everyone listening, if you have not uh, subscribed, and we'll have the link in the show notes to Innovate Work, where Jesse will be the keynote, myself and Shelly will be hosting the panel, the question panel, and we're going to be really tough on these uh, these people. So be ready, Jesse, and we might take some of what you've said today, but where awesome. else can we find you? Uh, I'm 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 a chief sales guy. I'm not hard to find. Um, so high road human capital, um, the, the easiest way and, and probably the, 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 the best place to find us is on LinkedIn. Uh, we do have a company page. So high road, two words, high road human capital, um, our website, highroadhr.ca. And then there's the fun side. There's the podcast and the talent form. Um, if you just if you just googled hashtag the accidental occupation, uh, you'll get the Instagram. Uh, you'll get the tab on our website. Uh, you'll get the uh, the LinkedIn page for that as well. Um, I I would say go to the Instagram. It's probably the most fun. Um, you get to see my ugly mug mug uh, more there than anywhere else. And uh, there's a variety of things on there, but um, all things talent. Uh, not not just the podcast, but all things talent, uh, whether they're, they're memes, whether they're links to uh, LinkedIn articles, whether they're short videos of me ranting like I've done today, um, you'll find it all you'll find it all there. And it's all original content. You will never see Jesse Ryan or High Road forwarding a really great article I found. Never. <laughs> not this guy. Not that guy. Uh, and. When is like what's happening with your podcast? You need to be releasing more episodes. Like, well, you guys have put a fire under my ass. Yeah, um, I don't know what it is about this week, but this is the second podcast I've done. Um, you know, I'm working on the keynote, um, so it, it's kind of got me in, invigorated. And you know, as you, you said, hey, you know, I'm on the, the vanguard of technology. I'm not. I, I'm old, and you have to drag me kicking and screaming. Um, you know, one of my senior consultants, who's my de facto COO, she's trying to get me on Google Docs, and I'm fighting her left, right, and center. So that's how archaic, um, how archaic I am. 
Um, so when it comes to the podcast, I love doing it, but you guys have been doing it since May. I've been doing it a couple of years. Um, you, what you already know that the biggest and most difficult thing is, is booking guests, particularly, this is so, uh, so ass backwards. You know, I came, first of all, let me tell you how I came up with the podcast. I was driving down the DVP in Toronto and I was thinking, I have 20 years of really great stories, salacious, out of control, stuff that no one would believe. And I kind of went, why won't anybody interview me? And uh, until today, um, I didn't think that would happen anytime soon. So I went, screw it. Joe Rogan can do it. Um, I can come up with a podcast. It'll really elicit some, um, some provocative answers. And then I went to my massive recruitment network and said, hey, you'd be great. And invariably, I'd say nine out of 10 went, oh, I could never do that. What do you mean? Oh, I'm nervous. I could never do that. What do you mean? You talk to strangers all day, <laughs> all day, but you can't do it in front of a microphone. So some of them I've dragged kicking and screaming. Um, so it was supposed to be exclusively uh, based on, on booking guests. And then because guests were so hard to, 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 to book, you know, you see in my recent episodes, the weekly rant, and then I'm going to be really transparent and tell you, um, as you can tell, I've got a big voice. I've got a big mouth. It's gotten me into trouble in the, in the past. And when we kind of not necessarily COVID, but pre COVID kind of moved into the gotcha and cancel culture, I kind of sat back and went, you know, I'm an owner of my own business. Now it's going really well. What dumb shit is going to come out of my mouth on one of these weekly rants? It's going to get me canceled. That's going to cost me an enterprise client. Well, you, um, so you didn't know, but we're sending this podcast right to Adid right after this, just so you're aware. Oh, you know what? I think they want me more than I want them. So I'm we'll, kidding. We'll see, I'm kidding. We'll see how it goes. I'm kidding. Um, but th but that's that's honestly why why it's lagged. Because mm. um, I've kind of backed away and went, you know what? Um, I don't want to, I don't want to, um, rock the boat, but this week in particular has kind of taught me that it's not who I am. Uh, I'm happiest when I'm voicing my opinions. I'm happiest when I'm eliciting and soliciting opinions from others. Um, so you may have inspired me and, uh, you might have some competition on your hands. Oh, come on. Yeah, no, come on board. Uh, we're always looking. There's enough for everyone. Let's just say that. So I'm, uh, I'm in. Well, and I love what you guys have done because I've seen, I, you know, I looked at your, your episode list as well. And I went, oh, okay, not all guests here, but you're able to come in week in, week out. Because if you don't have a guest, you have each other. Exactly. So bravo on that really great format. Um, love it. And um, keep going guys. I applaud you. Uh, there needs to be more of us out there. I agree. Perfect. Well, Thank you so much for being on the show. We, it was really a pleasure. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, 
thought leaders and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.